Hello and welcome to the Logistics Tribe. I'm Boris Felgendreher, founder of the Logistics Tribe, and today I present to you a conversation that our host Marco Prügelmeier had with Tom Biancoli, the Chief Technology Officer at Zebra Technologies. The two met at the recent Trends in Automotive Logistics Conference in Pilsen, Czech Republic, to discuss the synergies between automation, analytics, and AI, and much more. Enjoy. Tom, welcome to the TAL conference, Trends in Automotive Logistics, and to the Logistics Tribe. Thanks so much, Marco. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here at the conference. So many innovators and very passionate individuals around trends in automotive logistics. Yeah, I also enjoyed it. As I said, I was also a keynote speaker two years ago, and it's really good. Yes. Uh, it's a good conference to be. And you are the CTO of Zebra Technologies, right. which should be well known to our audience, uh, yes. which is a dedicated logistics and supply chain audience. But probably it's mostly known for scanning devices uh-huh. of all kinds. Right. But I think Zebra is not only about scanning devices. Uh-huh. Can right. you tell us more about your scope and your technologies that you're using there? Certainly. Yeah. Great question, Marco. And as you said, most of the industry knows us by our scanning technology or mobile computing. But if you think about the why we exist in the market, what do we get up every day to do? It's really to enable more productivity in the front line of operations. And the way we like to say it is productivity at the point of activity, right? Where real work is getting done, enabling that productivity to occur. And that's really where the data is happening, right? Exactly. Where the vehicle's being loaded, where it's being unloaded, where kitting is occurring, where maybe line-side replenishment and materials being transported to enable that in a manufacturing facility, where picking's happening in a warehouse, Mm -hmm. where that work is getting done. And there's really two ways that we think about enabling that productivity. One is through visibility, which clearly things like barcode reading, RFID, and even newer areas that we're getting into now, like machine vision, computer vision, play a really critical role. And then the other one is workflow orchestration. So Mm -hmm. if you think about the devices, the connectivity, the compute in people's hands or wearables, uh, heads-up display or hand or wrist-mounted wearables, that obviously plays a role in being able to orchestrate and assist the workflow, but as does collaborative robotics and software and automation. So when you think about tasking systems and labor scheduling and time and attendance and even training for individuals, communication and collaboration software. That's all running on the mobile platform used by those workers and doing that in a much more orchestrated way with things like AMRs or autonomous mobile robots so that robots and humans can collaboratively work together to go and get the job done. And it's really those two things of visibility and orchestration from a workflow point of view that drive that productivity. At least that's the way we like to think about it. So you basically started where everything around the worker happened. Yes. Scanning devices and so on. But actually with the acquisition of FetroBot, yes. you also went into the real autonomous stuff, the AMRs, yeah. and that because it's a logic consequence at the end, right? Exactly. It's a good fit. Not exactly. everything will be automated, but some of it will be, and it has to go hand in hand. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. That the kind yeah. of the strategy? Or? It is, yeah. And it's actually, as you pointed out, the Fetch acquisition is one of a number of acquisitions. We've done about eight acquisitions over the last four years. One beginning of this year, which was not an acquisition, but an investment in third wave automation. Yes. Maybe you can tell us something about that. Sure, absolutely. Just starting with the acquisitions, there's a couple of different categories. One is on the automation side. So we acquired, as you pointed out, Fetch Robotics. We acquired Matrox, which is a machine vision company, adaptive vision based in Poland. That does machine learning and artificial intelligence-based machine vision systems. And then a number of software, pure play, SaaS capabilities like communication, collaboration, software, task management, and so on. 
And then as you also pointed out, you've been very active from a venture capital investment side of our business. So we have a venture capital investment arm inside the company that's looking at a pipeline of opportunities of new and emerging areas, particularly of startups. We do typically maybe five or so of these investments per year as our target. Typically take 10% or less of ownership of the company we're investing in. And then that also gives us a board seat. So we get a front row seat to how the technology is developing. And Third Wave, as you pointed out, was one of those venture investments. And these are autonomous forklift type capabilities. Fox Robotics is another one in the autonomous forklift space that we're also looking at. So you can kind of see how the pipelines developed. We made venture investments actually in both Fetch Robotics and Locus. And then we ended up acquiring Fetch. We still have the investment in Locus Robotics. And now more recently, the investments in Fox and Third Wave and autonomous fork truck. And we've also made relatively recently investments in right-hand robotics and plus one robotics. These are articulating 3D motion control planning systems for carton as well as singulated picking. So when you think about kind of the end-to-end of material transport, being able to palletize, depalletize, take those cartons, get them on AMRs that can be transported through a facility, and then be able to deal with all different types of weights, whether it's a pallet load or it's individual cartons and do that in in an autonomous way that integrates with the human workflow as well. Yeah, and that makes really sense. And then on top of that, you can use analytics, AI tools, build them, right? So that's then the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the areas, ways we talk about the areas that we're investing in from a venture capital perspective is what we call the three A's. So analytics, automation, and artificial intelligence. And if you look at a lot of our investments over the last several years, They've been within those segments. And I think you're really pointing out a great point, which is we're seeing this sort of virtuous cycle between the amount of data that's being generated in these environments. There's a lot more real-time data, the telemetry of a fork truck, the location of inventory of people, of pallets, of where you are in a process and workflow. All of that's being instrumented. Digital twin is a term that's used a lot to point to the digitization of the physical environment. But all that data is really for naught. If we don't ingest it, analyze it, do something intelligent with it to affect outcomes and change something, otherwise we never realize the return on investment. That's really where the analytics and automation come in because if we gather all this data, it's impossible to humanly consume it. We need artificial intelligence. We need analytics to analyze that data, determine what best to do with it, and then drive the right appropriate actions or recommendations in these workflows and in these environments. And so that's certainly been a big focus for us and we see automation and AI as answers to the data problem. Because we hear from our customers, hey, I don't need more data. (laughs) I need to do something with the data I have. And so AI is, this is what I meant by the cycle, which is AI is a great consumer of that data. And by training and learning on that data, it can make recommendations and enable improvements in operational efficiencies, which then those systems become thirsty for even more data. And so one is the answer to the other and driving the outcomes. I see it the same way. It's the right sequence to do it. First get the data and then put AI on top of it. What do you see in logistics technology-wise as the next big thing? Is there any technology that you see upcoming that is very interesting? You know, so if I were to stick with the AI theme for a moment, I think there's two parts of AI that is the way we think about it. One is AI from an automation perspective. So it's very much in the moment decision-making. And the example I would give is maybe high-speed scanning or recognition for sortation types of capabilities. So being able to recognize something and then trigger an action almost immediately. This could be using location data, it could be using identification data, or it could be using condition data. And we're seeing that definitely as a big trend from a logistics point of view. So think about understanding what something is or its identification, where it's located at any moment in time, 
and then what its condition is. And certainly that has huge impact on the automotive industry as it's looking to digitize the supply chain more and more. We're seeing that as a common theme, but also in other areas like pharmaceuticals and food waste, as an example. So if I can understand the environmental condition that perishable goods were exposed to as they're moving through the supply chain, I can make smarter decisions as to how I price those to reduce waste. So from an ESG, social governance perspective, reduction of waste, being able to identify, locate, and understand the condition becomes really critical. So I'd say that's one area. The other is assistive artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So this really has a lot more to do and is maybe more relevant to the logistics side of things, which is demand planning and forecasting and doing that at a very granular level. One of the things I always find interesting is looking at a statistic recently that over the last 20 years, essentially, even though we've had all this technology from ERP systems and better warehouse planning and inventory planning systems, the number of days of inventory across all different categories within the economy has actually increased by 30 days mm. over the last 20 years. So even with all the technology we've thrown at yeah. it, we haven't gotten it better. And the reason for that is because the complexity of the supply chain has yeah. outstripped the improvements we've made. And then you have to buffer more. Yeah. So if we can use AI in a much more profound way to ingest all kinds of information, social platform mm -hmm. data, news data, events, weather, combine that with historical consumption information and historical time series data, then we could create um, what we refer to as like a unified demand signal and use that unified demand signal to better predict exactly what parts need to be in which locations and when and do that in a much more anticipated fashion. And we're seeing this particularly in verticals like the retail area as well as in the logistics space, driving much more accurate and higher levels of efficiency in the allocation of that inventory to optimize gross margin profiles, to ensure that we don't have the golden screw problem as it's been referred to, which is the one part you can't get is holding up the entire assembly yeah. line. And so we're getting much more sophisticated at doing that using AI. And I think we're not going to see that slow down anytime soon, especially with large language models and generative AI, the assistive part of AI, which is not just providing the answer, but providing really an educated, very educated recommendation. And then the human is still in the loop, right? The expert still needs to look at that data, the demand planner, the merchandiser, whoever it is, and say, okay, this is the recommendation. How do I want to adjust or tweak that plan in order to ensure the best outcome? So this we see as a great emerging area. And we, in fact, acquired a company called Antuit.ai, which does this primarily in the retail space, but they do real-time event data into a unified demand signal using AI and ML to do better inventory planning for, particularly for retailers. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the good thing is the data is getting better and better because you've got multiple sources. Now you can use the AMR data, for example, with Fetrobotic. Totally. Like also combine data like the RFID scans of the AMR together with its location confirms that the parts are there at this location. Yes. Which confirms your data in the background, which was always a problem. Right. To have the accuracy in the data. Yes, great points. Yeah, I really like that approach. On the other side, yesterday you mentioned that augmented reality mm. in logistics mm. came a little bit down to earth. What did you mean yes. by that? And what's your feeling? About yeah, AR? great question. And the meaning behind my point around that was really like any new technology that kind of comes on the scene, there's always some level of irrational yeah, exuberance, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's going to solve all of these problems. And I think what happened was the vision for AR, what it could do for workflows and for people and as an assistive technology, outstripped the technology's ability to deliver on the experience that's required. And if you look back at major modal shifts in the way we interface with technology, 
you could think about the command line interface, yeah. right? Like literally a prompt-based interface and then moving to a graphical user interface and then to a touch interface. And the early days of touch interface, a lot of people forget that the original Newton tablet was made by Apple and it was pretty much a failure because the interface for that form factor wasn't ready yet from a technology perspective. And I think AR over the last couple of years has suffered from the same problem, which is it's not a matter of if, it's when, so it's going to happen. But the interface we need now is one that's going to be profoundly different than a swipe, touch, zoom interface that we experience on a handheld mobile device. Mm -hmm. The technology to do that, the eye tracking, the depth perception, the 3D camera sensing, to be able to interact with the environment in a very fluid and simple way, that still isn't quite there. So I think there's a lot of great examples, demonstrations, somewhat contrived use cases. And now what we're starting to see is very specific applications of AR instead of these generalized kind of hype cycle but side like of things. For example, if you're talking about picking item picking, love it. on where you, where love you, it. Yeah. Where I would love the intuitive guidance yes. from a visual system. This is a great example. Do you still see yeah. it there? This and is, it that comes out of the hype cycle. Of I think we'll see that as probably one of the main places, the two places we're seeing get the, the most traction. One is the one you're describing, which is using AR to do a virtual pick to light yeah. where you're so picking. Real time, the, you get a, a box around a, a exactly. virtual box, green box or so. Exactly. Around and it. you're not putting infrastructure in to be able to show that information That's the to the benefit, individual. no infrastructure. Absolutely. Only your glasses. Yes. And the other side of that, actually, which today is really open loop. So if you think about a conventional pick to light system, you tell a person where to pick from, but did they actually pick from the right place? Did they pick the right quantity from that river? And now using the computer vision capability on the AR glasses, you can actually close that loop yeah. and confirm that. So that's one application. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Close exactly. Sure, you've loop. got the right data. So that's one big example. And we're seeing pilots around that today and that start to pick up more and more. The other one is in kind of the maintenance, repair, and overhaul segment. Being in the field. Guiding and, someone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Chalk talk and having a, a remote expert be able to guide someone that's in the field through a, a maintenance repair. What's overhaul the timeline that you think? Then, when is it taking off really? Yeah. In those segments. Yeah. So I think we still have a couple of years, I think, to get through a more pilot and starting the expansion. And then I think we're going to see, much like we saw in the mobility space, the enterprise hardening of these devices. So there's a lot of crossover right now between consumer AR glasses and form factors and what the enterprise needs. Ruggedization, personability, dealing with hygiene, where the device is going to be used across shifts, uh, being able to swap and change Optical. batteries. The optical differences between different users, mm -hmm. the security, the manageability, and all these sorts of things that are developed in the handheld space. And I think those enterprise-centric features are going to have to mature over the next couple of years. That'll work into form factors. So I still think we're, between getting to mainstream deployment, we're still looking at a three, four, five-year time horizon okay. to scale, yeah. really. But the future doesn't arrive equally everywhere. Yeah. So we'll see certain pockets where that happens faster yeah. and certainly others where it happens I, I, I did one interview and the audience can scroll back to those interviews. I did one with Paul, the CEO from Wuzix. Mm. And of course he was a little more bullish on the time. Yes. One interesting thing that you mentioned was an, a McKinsey study on AI, mm. which basically stated that only a small percentage or a small amount of jobs will really be automated more than 90% mm. or totally yes. automated. What kind of conclusions do you take out of that? How do you use it for Zebra? I think it's a really interesting observation, which is, this, as you're pointing out, a small percentage of the way the statistics goes is something like 50% of work can be automated, but less than 10% of jobs can be automated more than 90%. Yeah, and so it does sound a little bit like a riddle, yeah. but really what it's saying is that 
completely replacing a job is going to have a very long time horizon to it. But being able to replace the elements of a job that are non-value add from a human perspective and are maybe very repetitive. So doing things that people just aren't good at doing, like inspection or movement of goods. So if you're in an e-commerce picking fulfillment center, you might walk 15 or 18 miles a day. Yeah. That's a real number. And so if we can have the robot do the transport and the people do the picking, that's a much more satisfying job for the worker and it's a much more operationally efficient structure for the e-commerce fulfillment provider. So we're going to see this assistive physical robotics, much like we're seeing AI assist the person and take gut feel out of the equation using AI. We're going to take a lot of these repetitive motion-oriented tasks out of the workflow and let people really focus on what they do best, right? Which is serve customers, be the interface between the physical and the digital world, make better decisions, be able to tend to the plant floor and do all of that at a time when we never needed more people in the workforce. Here in Czech Republic, we're at two and a half percent, I believe, unemployment rate. Across much of Europe, it's sub 5%. And now's the time to apply a lot of this technology to assist the worker to free the time up to address all of the demands that we have on the workforce. Tom, I could continue all day long talking <laughs> with you about this stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm really into it. And I really enjoyed it, but you have to go on now. Yes. And I wish you a good tal and Thank uh, you. a good trip back home. Thank you so much, Marco. See, we have definitely like-minded thinking on a lot of these subjects. So great to converse with you and you enjoy the conference as well. And hope to speak to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was the Logistics Tribe podcast episode with Tom Biancoli, the Chief Technology Officer of Zebra Technologies. If you enjoyed today's show, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the future episodes. I'm Boris Felgentreer. Until next time.